This is the Amazon Planet Podcast, episode 44. I am your host, Joel Amazon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast, we're going to do two things. We're going to offer a brief discussion of the book Messy, The Power of Disorder to Transform Our Lives by Tim Harford. But first, I want to talk about the no-guilt book clubs that are being offered by the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. So the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is uh, sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators. It's a podcast that I co-host with Ava Thanheiser from Portland State University and Dusty Jones from Sam Houston State University. And we started it over a year ago, um, again, as sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators as a way to provide insight to folks that are thinking about or engaging in the teaching of math teachers. So that could be as a cooperating teacher, so those that have student teachers uh, within uh, school systems. That could be those that are maybe gonna become a math coach for the first time or the district math coordinator, or also just thinking about those that might be adjuncting or, or taking on that first professor position and teaching math methods for the first time. And so all of those teachers of math teachers, we wanted to provide an outlet for that. So we um, started the podcast and started capturing some expertise and capturing people's stories about how they got to become teachers of math teachers. Well, in the midst of a global pandemic, we also started doing some book clubs and I don't know. I love a good book club. And so we started some book clubs around uh, topics that, well, <laughs> it's actually nice to know people that write books, which is pretty awesome. So uh, we had on the podcast, we had uh, Mandy Jansen. She was on this podcast a few months ago and or yeah, a couple months ago. And she talked about her book, Rough Draft Math. We talked about rough draft thinking. Well, she had a book, Rough Draft Math, Revising to Learn, that came out not too long ago. And we said, hey, what about if we put that on the podcast? So we did. We put um, we put uh, Rough Draft Math. Uh, we did a series of, that was our first book club, our first book club that we did in, I believe, June of 2020. And we had, you know, a series of weeks where we kind of chunked it out. And then we had a podcast episode at the end. But in the middle, we actually did some Instagram lives where we talked with Mandy for an hour. It was awesome. Had some people join us asking questions. It was pretty cool. So we wanted to do that again. And we also did that with um, another guest of this podcast, Dr. John Staley, who um, wrote the book High School Mathematics Lessons to Explore, Understand, and Respond to Social Injustice by uh, Robert Berry, Basil Conway, Brian Lawler, and John. And we had a chance to do that one, I believe, in July. And so, again, four weeks of uh, kind of chunking out the book, talking about it. That one we did on Facebook Live and uh and YouTube, and actually that's those resources are available and out there that you can get access. Then we did another uh, Teaching Math Teaching podcast to wrap that one up. And we wanted to do another one. Now, the thing about book clubs that are, I don't know, can they can cause some guilt. Like, mm, I don't know, you know, I didn't read the book, and should I show up because I didn't really do my homework or whatever? And so... We wanted to do another one because we actually had some other uh, folks that wrote a book that we knew of, and that was Catherine Ye, Mark Ellis, and Carolee Kane Hurtado. Um, they wrote the book, Reimagining the Math Classroom, Creating and Sustaining Productive Learning Environments. We want to do that in December. And you're like, Joel, you're going to run a book club in December? So yeah, we were. We were. And, but we decided to call it the No Guilt Book Club. And that's actually what I wanted to do initially is like have this idea of like, hey, show up if you want, and we're gonna do these little book club like meetings. And we're, again, we did them on YouTube and uh, Facebook Live uh, through the Amazon Planet Facebook page. And 
we had periodic meetings, and for them, they invited some of the teachers that they featured in their book, Kathy and Mark and Carolee, they invited some of the teachers that were featured in the book into some of these discussions. And we called it the No Guilt Book Club. Like, if you can show up, show up. It's great. If you want to grow, I mean, if you have an opportunity, do it. But if not, one, these videos will be there. They'll be on Facebook. They'll be on YouTube. The book will be there. The, the podcast will be there. So it's like, you know, don't have any guilt. So if like you just hear a little bit like, wow, I really want to listen to that. I really want to read that book. Then you go get the book and you can come back and listen to the and watch the videos or listen to the podcast. Uh, so we ha- started these what we're calling no book clubs, no guilt book clubs. And so we have another one uh, coming up. And this one's kind of exciting because it's also featuring a former podcast guest on the Teaching Math Teaching podcast. And that is Teresa Willis. And she is going to be talking about teaching math at a distance. So she's got this book from the National Councils of Teachers of Mathematics um, called Teaching Math at a Distance, A Practical Guide to Rich Remote Instruction. And she's got a ton of expertise in this. And she's, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of a, a book where you can engage in a mindset around what does it mean to do good uh, Good online teaching, but that also models or uh, you know emulates good face-to-face teaching. So if you if you get <laughs> how to do this from a distance, you're going to also get how to do it face-to-face, and it has lots of interactions of different strategies that you can use uh, for teaching math at a distance. And so, like some of you might be saying, Joel, this is like a year late. Well, we've all had an opportunity to do this. If you're a teacher, you've had a, a chance to teach from a distance this past year, you have some better ideas about how to do it versus a, a year ago. And so you have some, and you also have some needs. You're like, gosh, this didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work. And so we, we realize that there's ways we could teach better. Right. And again, here at the Amazon Planet podcast, we think of teaching uh, as being a, many different ways of, about engaging in teaching, not just from an education perspective. There's from business perspective. There's from a familiar perspective, whatever, parenting perspective. There's all sorts of different ways you can think about teaching, but we've all had to do some of it from a distance. And so to think about how do we take what worked, what didn't work, what needs have we seen, and now thinking about how do we get better Overall, and so I think uh, this in May, uh, starting I think May, it's the first Tuesday of May. So this is really good uh, podcasting here. But it would be Tuesday, May fourth. We're going to start, and we're going to have Facebook lives and YouTube uh, live stream, uh, and we're going to engage with a conversation with uh, Teresa. Um, and I believe Dusty is going to join me. Dusty Jones is going to join me for most of those. And so we're going to engage in this No Guilt Book Club. And so if you're a teacher of mathematics, if you want to think about how to teach math online better, you want to think about teaching remotely, you just want to think about teaching better with and talking with an uh, expert like Teresa, it's kind of awesome. So we're going to be doing that. We're going to do that as a No Guilt Book Club uh, throughout May. And at the end, we'll have an episode of the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast that will uh, run that and also, I think we're going to simul- simultaneously run that episode on this podcast feed as well. So I just want to put it out there that, the, one, there are these resources that I'll post on the show notes for these other books of uh, Reimagining the Mathematics Classroom, uh, Creating and, and Sustaining Productive Learning Environments. I'll post those resources. I'll also post the resources for um, the one with 
Dr. John Staley, the high school math lessons to explore, understand, and respond to social injustice. We'll post those as well in the show notes for this episode. That'll be AmazonPlanet.com forward slash episode 44. So that, the, that stuff will be available, but then also just be on the lookout. We're going to do more of these book club. I really, I don't know. I really kind of enjoy this one. It's forcing me to read. Not that I do read. I'm a pretty good reader. Like I kind of have to for this podcast. Um, I, and so I like to do that for content and that's part of the reason why I started this podcast in the first place is a chance to share some of the stuff that I'm reading about. And also in sharing it, it makes me think about it more and it also makes me implement it or apply it to my own teaching. So it's a good exercise. And the other thing is just, I don't know, it's, it's the, the idea of I'm reading a book, I'm getting better, sharing it with y'all, you are coming up with ideas, I get better. And it's like this ladder and we're all getting better together. So if you wanna engage in that, that'll be starting in May, throughout May, we're gonna be doing that. If you wanna check out the uh, um, social media accounts for Amazon Planet, that's Amazon Planet's Facebook page at Amazon Planet on Instagram. We'll, there'll be lots of information out there about when this stuff is happening. Um, and if you want, you can uh, engage with it uh, live, or you can know, hey, it's out there. And when the dust settles from this semester and I want to start reading something, I know that that stuff is available. So that's kind of the where the no guilt comes in. It's like, do what you want with it. And if it leads you to buy a book, then hey, go go get yourself a book. And I guess that uh, just, you know, brings us to the prompt that hey, if, if any time during this, um, during those book clubs or this podcast today, when we're going to start talking about the book Messy by Tim Harford, uh, if in no way will we ever capture the expertise and everything that's in the book. And if you like what you hear, go buy the book. Uh, just can't uh, push that enough. There's These people are creating these awesome resources that's captured. I mean, think about all the different research that's gone into Teresa, all the experience that Teresa Willis is going to put puts in her book, Teaching Math at a Distance, or uh, even just some of the, the expertise of, of other teachers that have been captured from Mandy Jansen and Rough Draft Math or uh, the teachers that Kathy and Mark and Carol Lee uh, captured in Reimagining the Math Classroom. I mean, it's, it's a tribute to the awesomeness of teachers. And so the fact that you can get some of that awesomeness for just like 20 bucks is pretty amazing. So uh, links to purchase books uh, that we mentioned today will be on uh, the show note page for this episode. That'd be Amazon Planet forward slash episode 44. You can also support your local bookstore uh, like Square Books here in Oxford, Mississippi or wherever you find good books. Uh, talk to Marta Seville at the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast uh, about a couple weeks ago. And she talked about going to the bookstore and she, she likes to, one of her ways to, uh, she's from the University of Arizona and she speaks multiple languages. And so one of the ways she keeps up on her languages is going to the local bookstore and ordering a bunch of books in uh, the languages that she's trying to keep up on. So that's that's pretty cool. So books are amazing, and yeah, support those local bookstores. All right, now we're going to get into my uh, discussion about Messy. This is going to be pretty quick. I'm not going to go through completely all the different categories. I like the book Messy. It's it's pretty cool. It's got, uh, well, it's got a mess on the front of it with like paper clips and rubber bands and stuff. And it's talking about the power of disorder to transform our lives. And so the reason why I picked this up, why it stuck out to me is, one, I, I guess I like the books that are one-word titles, and we've done a lot of those, like uh, <laughs> When, Rest, um, we talked about Grit. I mean, those are pretty prominent in my uh, bookshelf, all these like one-word title um, books, and obviously they have a subtitle too, but anyway, I digress. 
This one stood out to me, and uh, one reason it stood out to me is uh, the one word title. The other reason is I like to do in my my teaching what I call messy tasks. I think messy tasks have a lot to do with um, getting at the goals of good math teaching. And what do I mean by a messy task? And and really, I mean, uh, really a messy task is a problem, an actual problem. Not like, I think, you know, too often when, you know, uh, people that had a similar sort of math background to myself, when we think about problems like math problems, we think like, oh, we were assigned 50, you know, one through 50 or two through 50 in our textbook, the evens, because but the answer to the odds were in the back or something like that, where we had to do a ton of problems, which it really was, those weren't really problems. Those were exercises because in the math class, we were shown, uh, uh, taught, or told, probably told a concept and then you were shown some examples and maybe a kid went up and tried one of the examples too, where you're just kind of executing a, 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 um, some sort of method in order to solve that type of problem. And then you go and do a bunch of them where there's different stim, uh, you know, inputs that you'd put in and maybe a little twist here and there where you have to kind of apply a little bit of knowledge. But really there, was, there were exercises is like, uh, here's a push-up, now go do a bunch of push-ups. And that'll make you stronger. And like, yeah, it, that will make you stronger. But it's not going to be dynamic. It's not going to be all these other things that you kind of need in order to be a problem solver. Because all of a sudden, if you get something that's not like the examples, you get kind of lost unless you are thinking about what you're doing with that strategy for solving those exercises. So a messy task is something that's open-ended. Where it's like, you know, hey, how much, how much tile do I need to finish this floor of this of of our classroom and it's not like a traditional rectangular classroom like it's it might have some angles on it It may have like if you divide it up might look like a triangle on one part it might look like a um you know a rectangle and then or maybe it's kind of a trapezoidal thing and i have to really think like how many tiles we have to think like how do we how are we going to make this thing this really uh well, messy, sort of messy looking shape into something we can understand. Like, oh, there's a triangle, there's a rectangle, there's, and now we can figure out how much tile we're going to need. Or like, ooh, it doesn't, or it doesn't go all the way to the edge with a whole feet. So now I got to use fraction of tiles, but how many full tiles do I need to make these? See, now that's a messy problem, right? And so those sorts of tasks are the kinds of tasks that I want my students in my math methods class, my elementary math methods class, to get experience thinking about and also using within their own teaching. And so that's where this book by Tim Harford stuck out is like, like the power of mess. I wanted to look at, hey, what's the power of messiness in uh, that he came up with? And it's it's really in the tradition of some of these other books we've reviewed on the podcast where, um, you know, they just they come at this idea of messiness from a bunch of different perspectives and um, puts it in a nice compact package. So I'm going to talk about this book. I'm going to be brief in talking about this book. I've got my high five, my five learnings from this book. I want to share it with you again, back to the kind of the purpose of this podcast is to share learning so we can all figure out how to teach better. I uh, read this book, not my favorite book, but learned some things from it. So going to be brief in my sharing. Um, and I wanted to get it out. I wanted to get this information out. I wanted to get out the information about the No Guilt Book Clubs. And just to tell you the truth, I've been kind of in a rut. Uh, I think this semester in, in kind of this um, year of COVID is kind of like, oh, I, just a little bit in kind of uh, stuck in the mud a little bit. So uh, this getting this podcast out uh, has been a hurdle.
And so just being honest there. But I wanted to get this out because we're a week out from the No Guilt Book Club. Uh, I've got some other books I'm excited, some other interviews I'm excited to share. But I, I, I really felt called to share some of the learnings I've gotten from this book. So here we go. Going to go with my high five. The, so these are the five learnings that I got from this book. One, um, and I'm also got my sum for seven. I got that too. So one is about collaboration. And the big thing in here is about uh, thing with messiness in collaboration is that uh, diversity is better. Like having a diverse uh, thought is, is good. And so this made me think about a quote that I heard from Rochelle Gutierrez. And, you know, there's all this conversation about diversi diversifying the STEM pipeline. So it's uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. We need uh, a variety of different folks uh, in STEM fields. And it always is like the conversation always felt like it was more towards because it would benefit them, like getting access to the academic and economic opportunities that having a good knowledge of of uh, the STEM fields is great, you know? So we everyone should have access to that. And yes, that is true. But what Rochelle Gutierrez would say is, but you know what else would be better? Not just the, you know, the people that have traditionally been marginalized in these spaces. You know what would be better? Like, and she's specifically talking about math. Math would be better. Math would be better. Math would benefit from my diversity of thought. And that was reinforced in some of the uh, research that uh, was captured by Harford in this book. Another thing he talks about mess with regards to automation, and we see that more and more every day where we see automation as a part of our lives where there's AI or other things that are helping us in doing our daily lives, right? And so like we have some automatic lights and locks in our house, but if we uh, rely, and this is a key quote uh, in the book, it said, if we rely on computers completely, disaster awaits. And he has several examples of how that is where, you know, automation has led to, you know, the controlling of very um, simple processes. But when the processes get complex and you need human intervention, well, the human might not be ready to intervene, right? They haven't been in the practice. And one example was of a uh, uh, airplane that was being uh, flown by autopilot and some bad stuff happened and it came off of autopilot and the pilots didn't know how to fly it. I mean, there was some miscommunication. They didn't uh, trust their instincts because they weren't honed in. And so automation, yes, it's good. And there's some things we can use and especially thinking about, you know, monitoring progress of students and things like that, or however you might use automation in your life that um, if there's, a time when you occasionally, need, and this was a quote from the book, if you occasionally need human skill at short notice to navigate a hugely messy situation, it may make sense to artificially create smaller messes to keep people on their toes, right? So to have situations where, you know, you disengage from the uh, automation so that you can see like, okay, how does this process work? What are the thoughts going into it? What are the things that I can... Um, Am I seeing how this works and why this works so that if I need to go into big problem solving mode, like I have some skills in dealing with the situation. Okay. So that, that was something that was kind of, you know, cause we are seeing again, automation is becoming more a part of what we're doing. I'm even thinking about cars. Uh, and this was kind of a similar sort of argument to what um, was being made in the book with regards to the, the plane is if we have automatic driving cars and all of a sudden there's a very complex driving situation do we have the skills in order to navigate that situation versus if you're driving all the time you've got those reflexes ready to go okay um another thing he talked about was um 
creativity, how messiness can help out with creativity. I don't, I think this is the one where, you know, people aren't as shocked at, but there was a good, a pretty cool little exercise in the book talked about with Brian, Eno, the musical music producer and how he interacted with Bowie and uh, Iggy pop on creating some of the music. He used this, these cards called oblique strategies cards where they were like um, these just wild cards where all of a sudden it would provide this like um, just kind of ab- weird suggestion for how they should proceed with their music. Like uh, where one, they had this like, you know, legendary guitar player where they said, Hey, he should play the drums on this track. And then he's like, well, what, why would I do that? And then there's like, you know, try playing with your opposite hand or think like water or like, I mean, just random thoughts sometimes or, or uh, uh, one was like, think like a gardener. And it's like, what does that mean with regards to this track? And but the thing is, every time Brian Eno would uh, work with these people, and they'd be and they'd drive people crazy. I mean, there was a story about how uh, Phil Collins from Genesis like was throwing beer cans at him because he was so frustrated, and it was like such a frustrating experience. But they created beautiful music, and so you know, even some of the the people that used these strategies that were driven crazy by these oblique strategies cards that Brian Eno used then use them later on because he's like, you know, to tap into that creativity, you need to do something like that. You need to introduce a frustration, kind of like the messy tasks I talked about earlier. Yes, it would be easier to deal with a situation that's completely stripped of context where you just plug and chug and do something. But does that allow you to tap into that creativity for how would you solve a problem? We just did this in, uh, I was got the chance to be a volunteer teacher Um for my son's classroom and we were talking about how you would create clues to get somebody to guess a square and you know some kids are talking about well you can see it uh, on the floor you can see it in this classroom you can you know like a, a hint for a square could be about look down and could because there's squares in the tiles and it's like the creativity versus you know just focusing in on what maybe the problem was aiming at was uh you know how many sides what are the angles like? Are there parallel sides? You know, versus like they're using their context as clues for in order for it to get kids to guess the right shape. And so um, creativity is kind of cool that way. Um, we actually had a uh, professor at the University of Wisconsin. His name was Michael Thomas. And he would talk about grounded theory, which is the when you use, when you basically take data and you go up from the data, like you just take what the data gives you rather than going in with this preconceived notions about data. And anyway, he would have us do these um, exercises. He would come into various classes I was in and cause he was so cool to talk about the creativity you could use within your research question. Cause like as a doctoral student, you got to have your research question. Research question was a vi- the most important thing to you. You think really hard about all the words and you'd be like, all right, write out your research question. All right. On this, on this uh, card. All right. Now take the scissors, cut it up. Now mix up the words. And see what other questions you come about. And it was like, it was a really cool exercise. And it was like, oh, what does this question that is basically the, you know, kind of the uh, magnetic poetry that you see on your fridge that you're like, but you're using it with this doctoral research question and you're mixing up the words and like, well, what is this question now asking? You know, so, and it's like just this little like playfulness and he would encourage you to play and, and make a mess of your research question because you're so serious about it and think about what insights might that bring to you. What does that say about your research? What does that say about different ways to approach it? And it was pretty cool. It kind of reminded me of like that Brian Eno's oblique strategies cards. 
Another thing was on um, improvisation. Uh, you talked about messiness with improvisation, and uh, he took, obviously with when you never talk about improv, improv, improvisation. You're also talking about improv, and they talked about the rule of yes with improv, and like whenever you're doing something, how can you take the m- momentum of you know someone says, "Well, I'm a lobster," and you would never in improv say, "Well, you know, improv comedy, like uh, sketch comedy." You would never in improv comedy, and someone says. You know, I'm a lobster, and you would never say no. No, you're not. You're you're a person. Like you, as soon as you do that, it shuts the whole thing down. You say, "Well, of course you're a lobster. You want to jump in this hot tub?" And you're like, "Hey, now we're cooking the lobster, right?" You know. So like, though it's sort of you know, yes and, and you keep moving on and on with the momentum. How do you use the energy of what someone's giving you to move forward? And he talks about improvisation and he gave examples of like Sergeant Pepper's band or uh, Sergeant Pepper album from the Beatles took months to uh, create, but then something by, Oh shoot. It was, it was a album by Miles Davis, like blue and people, jazz fans are like poking their eyes right now. Like, come on, Joel, what's the, and I can't find it, but um, some kind of blue I'm getting, Oh, Oh, maybe. Mm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm right there. This is great podcasting right here. I can't find it. Anyway. Anyway, he's talking about how that album came together in hours, right? Versus it took months for Sgt. Pepper's. And it was lots of improvisation. And someone say the greatest jazz album of all time. And so, and yeah, that lit me up because I'm thinking like, well, teaching is a lot is on improv and about using students' energy. How do we use student energy and turn it into facilitating a relationship with mathematics? And he talks about the advantages of speed, economy, and flexibility and improvisation. But you have to be okay with a mess because you don't know what a student's going to give you. You don't know how they're going to react. You don't know what kind of things. And so you have to have ways of dealing with those things. And guess what? You don't, you only learn ways of dealing with those things by actually getting experience. And so, um, you know, put it, throwing yourself into those sorts of things and seeing what kind of things that they come up with. And I remember watching, uh, expert, uh, teacher Meg Meyer, I got to get her on the podcast cause she's done this all the time, but she would, she would come into my math methods class. She's a researcher at the university of Wisconsin, but she would come into my, uh, math methods classroom. Cause she was a very, uh, you know, hugely experienced math educator and she would come and do this problem with my um, students uh, using this curriculum that had very open-ended problems where we're um, going to be looking at the cost of two hats and umbrella, the cost of two umbrellas and a hat, and trying to figure out, given the prices of those three items, like, could you figure out what the price of each individual item was? And you know, the, the different, the way that she would react to it. It was like, she was a kid in a candy store. It was so exciting. Like, and see how, what people were giving her. And like, it was all of us, like, it's almost like a game playing together, but we were still, we're doing some pretty cool mathematics and the way that she would react to it and, and add and build on each other. It was different every time. And I saw her do it many times and it was so cool to see. And then it's part of the, what keeps math exciting. I remember you know, when I first was going to be a math teacher, I thought, well, am I going to teach the same lesson over and over again? Because I thought of teaching as like, I'm going to give this perfect like speech every time that's going to help someone know the quadratic formula. But that's not it. That's not, that wasn't, that changed. You know, when I saw someone like Meg doing her thing, it's like, oh, no, no, no. This is, I'm creating this environment and I'm seeing how these characters react in this environment. It's different every time. 
just like an improv comedian. It's different because the audience is every time. They're throwing out different suggestions every time. And how people react to each other is different every time. And so improvisation is pretty cool. And I, I, I'm trying to embrace that in my own teaching as well. And it feels like parenting is a constant uh, improvisation comedy act uh, every single day. Wow, we could go there. But we won't. All right. Uh, finally, the, he also talks about planning that... Um, Monthly plans are better than daily plans. You know, and daily plans feels like you're trying to control every single microsecond. And um, you know, in the book, they also talk about, like maybe having you know, there's kind of messier plans, but having this overall monthly plan where like there's an end goal, and then the days in between can kind of be a little messy, but we're still kind of aiming towards that end goal. And and that's kind of how I think about with my own teaching. Like, hey, we have this goal. I don't necessarily know what every day is going to look like. But I know where I want to get to. I know some things that we want to do in between. And somehow how that happens might change on a day-to-day basis, what we might need to do because the needs of the students, what the act, how they react to different activities, what their struggles are, those could all change. And so having that end goal is great, but then the, how we're going to get to it might change up and being okay with that. Again, that kind of goes back to improv- improvisation. It feels like I'm saying that word wrong, but that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll be fine. But that kind of, that monthly plans are better than daily. I'm kind of seeing that right now. Again, kind of in this year of COVID sort of thing where it's just, I'm just really kind of struggling. And, you know, that those daily plans I'm really struggling with. But the monthly things seem to get happen, seem to be happening. So it's working at least on that, from that perspective. And finally, there's a, th- there's a pretty good um, piece on research where I got kind of excited and I was like, highlighting some things on some research, but then on the next page, it talked about like how that research was totally forged. And it was because, and like I should have known, it was talking about some of the, hey, this researcher had a tough time dealing with mess. And it, so he cleaned up his data, uh, cleaned it up so he was uh, became a fraud. And, and that was like kind of like my overall lesson is like, hey, we need to be okay with mess. And I'm seeing that in my own teaching, um, you know, seeing that in like interacting with others. I, I think if if I had my own way and I was completely isolated, the way my life would be would be, I don't know, I would be struggling because like I need those interactions. I need the little bit of, you know, a little bit of mess, right? And so how we how we interact with mess, how we take it in, how we can leverage it to be creative, collaborative, uh, innovative, and how that can be an asset in our teaching and how do we embrace it? And I think, again, um, this book, Messy, uh, I enjoyed it, uh, The Power of Disorder to Transform Our Lives. If you're looking for more um, insights from the book, it's, it was worth the, the pickup. Uh, so go ahead, and if you're looking to purchase it, you can go to the show notes and, and find it. But again, my overall, like, seven words or less summary of it is don't fear the mess. And so that's my final message on Tim Harford's book, Messy, The Power of Disorder to Transform. So again, we wanted to keep this short. So that is all I have uh, for this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. Show notes for this episode can be found at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 44. And if you are looking for ways to support the podcast, well, guess what? You can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can subscribe to the Amazon Planet download, which contains teaching resources and updates from Amazon Planet. There'll be something on the uh, No Guilt Book Club there. Um, and if you're looking for the how you can subscribe, you can do it on the Facebook page for Amadon Planet, but you can also go to amadonplanet.com. There's many buttons there to join the email list. You can also follow at Amadon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or 
Again, like the Amazon Planet Facebook page. You can also check out the Amazon Planet store or Amazon Planet bookshop. Links can be found at the footer at AmazonPlanet.com where you purchase to support the production costs of the podcast. So, in conclusion, thank you for listening to this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. Thanks to uh, Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. Thanks to all those graduates out there. I know we're about ready to have our graduation here at the University of Mississippi. And, you know, it's been tough uh, in a global pandemic uh, doing all that work. So congratulations to you. Make sure if you know of a graduate, say thanks uh, for all the hard work that they did. Uh, Give them a pat on the back and uh, just let them know that uh, they did some good stuff there. So finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. The world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace. Peace.